Oh, hi, and welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer, the podcast that explores queer identities through the real life and pop culture moments that shaped us. I am your host, Crystal, and wow, I think these are the first words I've said out loud today, and you can tell. God, how am I sounding? <laughs> I got back last night from a weekend in Berlin, and so yeah, I am currently sat once again in my closet with one brain cell rattling around in my head. You know what that brain cell is saying? <laughs> Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> If that's still rattling around in your brain a few days later when this episode comes out, well, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, it's all I can hear, all I can think, all I can see. I am haunted. But enough about my mental state. I think we should get on with this week's episode. It's a long one, so I don't want to waste any time. Uh, I've just been listening to it this morning. My guest this week is Tia Coffee, and wow, I love this conversation so much. We recorded this last September at the London Podcast Festival, uh, and it was gorgeous. It was uh, one of only two episodes you're going to hear this season that were recorded in person, and I think you can tell we get along great, and we just have such a fun time chatting, and it's it's a whole different vibe doing this in front of a, a live audience, so brings a whole new energy to the podcast, which I really enjoyed. Um, Tia, I'm happy to report, is everything you want her to be, everything you expect her to be. She's hilarious and humble, funny, and self-deprecating, and has a really interesting story to tell. So I know that you're going to love this episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we start, just a reminder to go ahead and share this podcast, subscribe, Share it to your stories. If you do share it to your stories, I'll, I will, I will reshare. So go ahead and do that right now if you like the episode. And that's it. Let's get on with the episode. Thank you so much and enjoy. Good evening, everybody. Please welcome to the stage your host for this evening. It's Crystal. Sorry, I needed a little entrance music, and the crowd goes mild. Hello. Welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer. I've got my mic and I've got my wine, so we're all set for a good evening. How are you? I'm really glad that you're here for this live recording of season three. Have you all listened to the podcast before? Gorgeous. Well, this is going to be an episode from season three, which is currently in production. And we've got an amazing guest here tonight, who I'm going to bring out in a second. I always, oh, hi. I always start every episode by saying a thing that made me queer, so I thought I would just do that right now in front of all of you. Um, the thing I'm going to give you right now that made me queer is the underwear aisle at Sears. And I don't know if you had Sears here in the UK or Zellers or Walmart, but as a very small child, I would deliberately get lost in the department store so I could wander back and forth and back and forth along the underwear aisle and just catch a glimpse of a rugged and lean male torso. I don't, I don't know if anyone else has had that experience of the underwear aisle. 
ca catching a glimpse. Uh, yeah, I have a theory, and I don't know. Is there a, is there a, a straight man in the room? Okay, great. Did did you? I want to know. Did you do that in the women's underwear aisle? You did. Okay, great. Okay, that's part of my theory confirmed. Now, are there any women here who identify as queer or loving women? Did you do that? No. Yeah. So it's a. I'm, I'm sorry to say it's a disgusting boy thing. Basically, if you're concerned your child might be gay or straight, just follow them secretly around the department store, and uh, I think you'll be able to figure it out. So anyway, that's me being vulnerable. Um, I was recently at Burning Man. <clears throat> I know, isn't it amazing? I don't, if you've never been to Burning Man before, the whole point of the festival is that you bring something to give away. So I go with a big group of British people and we build a pub in the desert. It's called the Queen Dick. It's a play on the Queen Vic, EastEnders, blah, blah, blah. And we serve drinks all day and we do drag shows and there's fun nightlife. And on the final night of the, of the festival, this middle-aged woman came into the pub and she came running in, she took one look around, and she came running up to me and my, my campmate, and she said, oh my God, I love gay stuff. <laughs> and I felt two things in instantaneously. First, I was offended that she could clock us so quickly. <laughs> Second, I was offended that I had my entire identity reduced down to gay stuff. But then I thought about it a little bit more and I looked around and I saw the gay people dancing to Donna Summer and the big Madonna on the wall. And I thought, you know what? I love gay stuff too. <laughs> and you're all listeners of the podcast, so I have a feeling you love gay stuff as well. Do you love gay stuff? <laughs> Here's to gay stuff. And speaking of gay stuff, I think we should welcome the guest for this week's episode. It is, of course, the fabulously tall, the highly caffeinated, Tia Coffee! She gets the entrance music too, bitches! <laughs> oh, let's do that. Oh, it's so good to see you. So good to oh my see god, you. I feel like Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Very let's that. Have a seat. Or Oprah? Which is more fabulous? Uh, a, a little of column A. Loose a loose little of column oh. <laughs> I didn't think this outfit through. It's oh, fun. there we go. It's fine. You're not going to see anything other than a Barbie tall crotch. <laughs> we're all you're, friends here. We're it's all fine. friends here. I recently did a drag story time and had that exact same realization. Oh, that chair was very low. At a drag the story were time. Much lower than me. It was bad. <laughs> all good. You could be part of their oh. realization. Who knows? Who knows? Hi, everyone. Hi, Tia. Welcome to The Things That Made Me Queer. This is the podcast, of course, that explores queer identities using the pop culture moments and real-life moments that shaped us. So every week, I have a special guest, and we discuss a person, a place, a piece of music, a film or TV series, or a wild card that helped them understand, embrace, or accept their queer identity. And um, I have a lovely list from you, which I can't wait to get into, but first, I just... I thought we could have a little catch-up. Oh, yeah, let's. How are it's, you, babes? It's been a while. It's I'm been a great. while. Yeah. When do we last see each other? Um, I'm going to say Manchester, that day festival, shortly after your season, I feel. Yes. I remember that. We were getting ready in a conference room. We were getting ready in mm. a conference room. It's um, not unlike this room, to be honest. Yeah, it was very this, actually. <laughs> you were having a bit of a rough time after the season. There was some some ongoing tensions. I feel like we just found a way to bond uh, over the 
peculiar position you find yourself in after Drag Race. Yeah, it was nice because you were the first like um, actual human being that I met. <laughs> <Tricked> ya. <laughs> who was on Drag Race. No, it was lovely. You gave me lots of kind words and lots of advice. Oh, and I'm sure I meant them all at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no longer. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> um, how are you now? Yeah, great. Um, definitely having a gorgeous time. She is everywhere, people. Tell us some of the places that you have been. I'm in three places right now. That's what it is. <laughs> Spiritually, mentally, physically. <laughs> Very that. <laughs> um, where have I been? I was at, um, in LA for DragCon, which lovely. was lovely. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> where else have I been? I went to Sweden for okay. a Pride. Great. That was lovely. You've been all over the TV, too. Yeah, tomorrow I'm in Cheltenham. Same energy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sweden, yeah. Cheltenham. Yeah. Well, Cheltenham is the UK's Sweden, famously. <laughs> that's, that's what people mm, say. That's what they say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just doing bits. But you've been busy. on the TV loads too. Uh, occasionally, it has been known. Yeah. Uh, just a little. You're so modest. Stints here and there on the goggle box. I love that. The other things, catching balls on BBC One, very that. <laughs> Three of you watched it, thank you. <laughs> Sounds like life goals, though. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, and how is your experience? Your drag race experience now, do you feel, have you like settled into that kind of semi-fame that we have found ourselves in? Uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, yes, the drag race experience is an interesting one. It's very nice sort of getting to meet people and like have conversations and meet nice people who have kind things to say. Sometimes it's difficult at a meet and greet when someone comes up and goes, still basic, like it's funny. Wow. Um, that was actually a horror's arm who did that to me. <laughs> Not a joke, just a fact. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it God. actually was. Um, but like, Wow. Yeah, true story. Wow, she's, <laughs> really, she, she's really wanting to get that message out there. Yeah. <laughs> By she's any means. Have at home. She just sends like a, a courier pigeon you... Like, where's this pigeon doing this note? You're basic. Yeah, <laughs> just a little <laughs> scroll on its leg. Yeah, it happens. No, but we're having a gorgeous time. Uh -huh. I think you have to just appreciate it and just, like, understand that, like, it gives you this sort of amazing platform to be able to, like, meet people and also, like, do things that you never dreamed that you'd be able to do, stream my music on Spotify, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know? Very that. You've got a new song coming out too, don't you? Oh, I do. Oh. Thanks for noticing. Called Barbie. Uh, no, it's called So Good, but no one uh, knows that yet. Oh. oh. Yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> this is not coming out for like months, so this will be incredibly old news. I mean, it's called <laughs> So Good, and you've all already heard it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the images, the, the video, all the like leaks, all the, all the bits you're putting out, so stunning. Full glow up. Thank you. I did none of it myself. Ah, oh, <laughs> like, <the> secret. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but no, I'm really excited for everyone to see it because I feel like I'm like entering my like sexy era, oh, but still with for you. all the social awkwardness that I've always had. <laughs> when you were on Drag Race, were you pointedly not attempting sexy, or did were you attempting sexy and it, you don't feel like it was working? What do you mean when you say you I'm entering my sexy era? I think I mean like. I didn't really know what I was doing when I went on right. Drag Race. <laughs> it was Relatable. Just, yeah. It was a, a weeks of chaos and preparation of uh -huh. me thinking, I've never had an outfit made in my life, all my drags from Primark. Uh -huh. And then sort of having to be like, you know how to sew an ice cream cone, thank you. Like that kind of energy. <laughs> so I had no idea so what not I was... not sexy. No, what? 
I don't know. I thought I was going to like serve, um, but it turns out no. Um, you serve. You soft served. Soft served. <laughs> soft served. <laughs> that was pretty iconic. <laughs> Someone write that down. That was really good. Um, yeah, so I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And, like, the whole thing about, like, Drag Race UK, we only had your season to go off. Mm. So I was like, I'm about to win this because something was in the top in an ASOS dress. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And then, like, she, wa- she I helped her get ready for the show. She was. Uh, and, oh. like, so I was, like, ready to, like, absolutely smash it. And Wait, then- did something help you get ready? No, of course she didn't. (laughs) 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 Absolutely, you met her. Of course she didn't. Um, So, like, no, she did actually lend me a wig that I I had underneath my wig in my final lip sync. Uh And then didn't do the wig reveal because I was like, I I want to go home. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence Shady should definitely win. I'm tired. Um, So, like... Yeah, it was like a difficult, it's a difficult thing. Like, I guess you had no idea what it was when you went on there. No, I mean, we had obviously a bajillion US seasons, but didn't know how that was going to play out in like a UK format and definitely didn't know like how it would be received or if it would be a thing, if people would watch it, if it would be a big deal, what the budget would be like, if it would like, if walking into the workroom would feel the same, any of that stuff. And, And so, yeah, we had no kind of blueprint and but also, I think I thought Drag Race was going to be a lot different to it. Actually, I think I thought it was like a a drag competition show, but it's much more of like a. Um, and I'm just this is me considering that World of Wonder produced this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's just it's different because it's also a TV show. And it's a TV show as much as, as it is a drag competition show. And I think as you can't really figure that out until you're on the show. But that's what I tell everyone when I know that they're going on or if they're preparing to go on. Like, just remember that you're making reality TV as much as you are competing to be drag excellence. Yeah, totally. You have no idea, like, what's going to happen when they sort of, like, look at things. And, like, I just remember re- being really confused because everyone kept being like, oh, as a comedy queen. And I was like, I've not told one joke <laughs> since I've been here. <laughs> what do you mean? Turns out I'm just, um, like, my uncomfortable personality translates into humor somehow. <laughs> I didn't mean it. It was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why everyone loves you, I think. <laughs> I mean, as an outsider, that's why that's why I fell in love with you on TV. Oh, thank you. You're I wish welcome. I wish someone would fall in love with me in <laughs> in real life. Yeah, it's a it's a weird feeling, and then you just have to wait and see what happens when it comes out, and if people are going to actually like what you did. Absolutely, and especially with the earlier UK seasons, at least like a lot of it because it's come from the American version of the show. Like the first time I lip synced ever in my life was against Justina Mandela, like, <laughs> on the main stage. I was like, I just don't do that in real life. So, like, half the things that happened on the show were just all learned behaviours, I guess. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, you're doing, like, that windmill arm that every oh. queen does. <laughs> the only- I've never done this before, and I never will again, but I'm on <laughs> TV, and I guess I better. <laughs> uh, f- fully that. Like, my lip sync against Lawrence, I fully, like, was on the floor uh-huh. because of your lip sync against something <laughs> where you were giving it like that. And I was like, this is the only thing that I know how to do. And, like, I think I jumped onto my knees twice. That was blue against Scaredy because uh-huh. I was like, I could jump onto my knees. Did you That's- do a run like she did? Did I? I don't think so. That was the iconic moment from her. She did a really big run and then 
Rue was like, oh, I thought you were going to do something really impressive, but you just went down to your knees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I gave like emotion and like walked backwards, like I was like acting through song. P.S. Oh. Never studied musical theatre in my life, but sometimes I pretend that I did. Um, and then just like fully jumped onto my knees because I was like, Blue did it here against Skeddy, so maybe it'll work. <laughs> Who knows? And then did it again against Joe. Oh. <laughs> Very limited in my well, abilities. It worked out. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Made it past halfway. Good yeah. for us. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've just talked about Drag Race Law, but I think we should talk about you some more. Um, oh. Let's get into the things that made you queer. Yay. Do you want to find out what made Tia queer? I do. I do. So we've got your list here, which I am obsessed with, but I think your first one, you're kind of, uh, you're already in your early teens or, or so. I want to know, like, where did you grow up? I guess the tone of this podcast might shift all of a sudden, but um, where did you grow up? What was your life like? How was how was that experience? Um, so I grew up in Essex, not sort of. It's not too far from London, but at the time that I was growing up, it was like probably quite a different place to like what it is now. So I remember when I was like really, really young. Um, we we were in. I always thought it was like a local newspaper, and then I sp- spoke to my sister about it, and she was like, "No, it was like a national newspaper." We were in like the Daily Express or something, as like a a mixed race family, the face of modern Britain. Wow. So it's like me and my sister and my mum and my dad, because like it just didn't really exist like in the early nineties as much as maybe wow. people experience it now. So Who, like, whose idea was that? I think my, like, I don't know, it was like my sister's friend's dad or something. There's like a, a route into it, but like they fully like did like an interview. I was three, so I, I don't uh-huh. remember. I just remember looking at the picture being like, I'm wearing a Super Mario tracksuit, uh-huh. good for me. And I did not consent. <laughs> I did, did not consent. This is unfortunate. But like, it's just wild to sort of like. Was look. it a positive piece? I think so. I've never as sort of. As much as that can be, I guess. Yeah. I don't think I've ever read know. it, but. It just, like, I think that sums up my experience of, like, not really looking like anybody and not really, like, feeling like mm. anybody when I was growing up. Mm. So it's, like, a difficult time. Was Were you in, like, a predominantly white neighborhood? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. I don't think I met anyone who was sort of of color until, like, properly until I went to, like, high school. So, like, there were a couple of people in my primary school, but we were in different years, um, and then, yeah, there weren't. I wasn't sort of like surrounded by anything other than white people until high school, which is weird. I hadn't really thought about that out loud until this moment. So wow. thank you for the profound emotional discovery <laughs> in front that, of I, all these people. I get that a lot. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it is quite wild. I remember, like, I like I kind of haven't changed since I was young as well. So I remember, like, one time I was in the playground and someone whose name I won't mention, James Burndies, um <laughs> <clears throat> like called me a racial slur, but it wasn't like correct for my heritage. So I just said it wasn't accurate and like walked off. And I was like, I think I was like eight years old when that happened. It just didn't really affect me. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, it was there the whole time. Wow. That's, that's wild. I- this is a personal question, I guess, but they're all going to be personal questions, so it's fine. Uh, what are your parents' heritages, and like, how does that play in? And do you have a connection to a culture through either of them, or because you were surrounded by that geographically? But did you have it through family? It's it's fine. You can ask those 
personal questions. I know most of these people from the two brewers, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I do kind of like have a connection to my cultural heritage. So my mum was Nigerian and my dad's British. Uh-huh. Um, so like, it's something that I've had to like work for myself because at the time that I was growing up, again, I didn't learn this until I was older, but my mum was like particularly keen to avoid sort of highlighting elements of my ethnic heritage. So that's like my name out of drag is Lawrence Andrew Bolton because she just wanted to give me like a white name. My sister has Nigerian middle names and she's 12 years older than me. So because of my sister having those names in her heritage, my mom was like, I'm not doing that again. Um, Because she got picked on for it, Uh for having like weird like names and Uh stuff like that. So she sort of made that decision to just make it easier for me, which I appreciate. And now, obviously, like, I very much wish that I had that kind of connection, um, which is kind of, like, now present in my drag name, because obviously it's meant to be a pun of tea or coffee, which is, like, a very, very British thing, mm. but I've spelt coffee as Kofi, which is a West African name. So, to me, I'm sort of, like, summing up my heritage and, like, even my, like, finale runway on the season... I made the conscious decision to have a dress that was red, white, and blue, like the Union Jack, but like in a West African fabric. Mm. So like, it's something that I've sort of had to find myself and like create those connections for me. Yeah, I love that. Like self, self-discovery, self-actualization, self-creation. Did, yeah. did she protect you from that culture like at home as well? Like, I don't know, I'm just thinking like things like food or you know, other family traditions. Oh, no, I can make jollof rice. Don't worry about that. Right. <laughs> um, <coughs> Nigerian jollof uh, is superior to Ghanaian jollof, just so everyone's aware. Controversial statements have been made <laughs> on this stage today. Um, so, like, I had those sort of, like, connections to my heritage, but I think it was, like, probably more difficult outside of that. Because mm. there were, like, there were times, like, I remember, like, my mum, like, never used to let me wear hoodies, I know that sounds really silly, but like there was a period of time where uh, whoever was prime minister at the time or whatever, there was like a weird like militant thing about like the hoodies, like people would be referred to as hoodies, like walking around shopping centers and stuff like that. And I think because I was like a young black boy, my mom just wouldn't let me like Mm -hmm. own a hoodie. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was like such a weird thing at the time. P.S. Did I four years later buy myself a 40 pound Pussycat Dolls hoodie from the (laughs) Pussycat Dolls concert. (laughs) That's what she was trying to protect. (laughs) She was. (laughs) Also, that hoodie said loosen up my buttons, but it had a zip. So I found it hilarious. (laughs) Didn't make any sense. Um, But like, yeah, that was like her form of like protection to stop me from sort of getting into trouble for no reason. Mm. Uh, Was she like first generation immigrant? Yeah, she uh, moved over here when she was 19 and then carried on with her A-levels because there was a civil war in Nigeria. So her schooling sort of stopped for that period. So she had to sort of like uh, eventually when that sort of finished, come over here and finish her education. Which is like, the details of that are things that I didn't know. I wasn't taught about that when I was growing up. And I've only sort of recently learned from like her uh, brothers and sisters and things like how difficult that time period was. And how it was just like sort of one tribe in Nigeria who was sort of like uh, basically massacred 
which is like my own people and sort of a million of them died from a starvation blockade. Well, this is a cheery podcast at that time, but like understanding that element of sort of like struggle and difficulty now sort of makes total sense to me of why I've been instilled with like a very hard work ethic and the ability to sort of pay them bitches no mind to quote someone. I can't remember who said that. <laughs> but like that's that's the thing. Like I spend a lot of my time sort of like making sure that I'm focused on the positive even if people are trying to like push the negativity on me, which is hard sometimes. No, but that's fabulous. And that's a great, I guess, testament to the strength of your mother and to yours as well. That Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, smattering of applause <laughs> <laughs> to Tia's strength. Um, let's let's get on then to the things that made you queer. I think we've got a, a nice scene set for who young Tia is. Um, the first item on your list is your wild card, and it is Brian Dowling from Big Brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> some people recall. <laughs> I had never heard of this man before today, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Um, pleased to have watched some supercuts of him on Big Brother. Um, please, please explain the Brian Dowling of it all. So when I was really young, Big Brother started and it was brand new and I like fully wasn't allowed to watch it because I was too young. So I'd like sneak down and watch it anyway. And the first series was there and it was like iconic and there were naked people and I was like eight or nine or something was like absolutely scandalized but super got into it because it was just about people and it was like fascinating because like the, we've set the scene i didn't really see a lot of like different people uh-huh. where i was growing up so having this like group of sort of 12 people who were put into a house who were all completely different like one of them was uh mixed race and looked like me so that was very exciting cut to season two where there's this like extremely loud gay Irish man who's a flight attendant. And like for some reason, young me had like a very strong connection with that. I, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't think I really sussed it at the time, but now we know. And it was just wild. And like Brian won the whole thing, mm-hmm. which was sort of like quite startling because the, the first one was won, won by like a straight white man named Craig, I'm sure. That was unsurprising to everyone. But then, like, a a gay, loud, hilarious person won that second series. And I, somewhere deep down, I kind of think I must have gone, that's me. That's Mm. that's me. One day when I grow up, I want to be on a competition reality show. (laughs) And win, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also just enjoy that he was a flight attendant. I didn't know that. But he he will have also said tea or coffee many times. (gasps) True. (laughs) Wow. Wait, <laughs> that's some deep insight. Uh-huh. It's, we found the third reason for your name that we never knew. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Um, what was that like when you were, I don't know, what was it like seeing a gay person? This is, the, this is the first time you can really remember seeing a gay man? Yeah, I think it's definitely the first time I sort of remember it. And I don't think it was too prevalent on television at that time you didn't sort of get to pick and choose where you were going to see your sexuality whether you realize it or not at the time reflected on screen Mm -hmm. so that was like a real moment for me and it really sort of stands out um especially people like actually getting on with him and like appreciating him in the house because like at that time growing up with I feel like we're around the same age so at that time sort of growing up like 
people would literally be like, oh, that's gay. Like mm-hmm. even the word alone had such a negative connotation and it was really scary. So sort of seeing someone who was like, I'm gay and I win, like <laughs> was completely different to that experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, a joyous, a joyous presentation of gayness. Also, I guess unfiltered in a way that, and I guess self-determined in a way that you would only get in reality TV, whereas like maybe other depictions of gay people in the media might be cartoonish or, you know, oh, it's the gay person who dies or it's the gay person with HIV. It's like, no, we're just actually seeing just a real gay man who's having a great time. Yeah, that was the contrast. Because I think, Mm -hmm. like, prior to that, I think I have, like, a vague memory of, like, depictions of a gay character in EastEnders, which was, like, always sort of, like, headline tabloid news. Like, oh, my God, man kisses man. (laughs) <laughs> outrage like it was very that kind of energy uh-huh. but like brian was pretty unapologetic mm. and that was i think a massive earth shattering moment for me to sort of realize like huh i don't really have to be bothered about people saying that word to me because mm-hmm. this this person likes that and so did everyone the millions of people who were voting yeah, for the fabulous. winner that's fabulous had you already started receiving messages from the world that you were gay Oh, yeah. I think people, like, definitely used it as a, a sort of, like, negative slur towards me. And I heard it a few times. I think there was a lot of subtext to things as well for me. So, like, I had quite a difficult time at primary school, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, because I got moved up a year because I was too smart for all the work that they were doing. And they couldn't keep up with me because I was Bitch. so clever. Me too. <gasps> really? Yes. <gasps> Sisters. Smart sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for applauding intelligence. We don't do that enough in this society. Um, She says in a mini dress. (laughs) Yeah. How did we end up here? (laughs) But like, it was difficult because like, when you're that young, you sort of like only have your friends in your year group and you don't know anyone else. Um, So I got moved up and like, no one really wanted to talk to me. And then like, I remember like, we did like a musical at the end of the year. And, like, I was off the day that everyone, like, auditioned for it. Mm -hmm. And everyone just gave, like, I just got assigned, like, the only singing and dancing role in the whole, like, show. Like, everything else, everyone was singing. And they just gave me, like, the one, like, sing-songy, dancey solo part. Which, by the way, was King Aegeus in a musical production of Theseus and the Minotaur. (laughs) So, like, I don't know what, I don't know what school I went to, but... (laughs) Now I think back, that's ludicrous. So I, I had to like sing this like Sorry, whole... Wait. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You had a singing and dancing musical number as the, the king who owns the bull in Theseus and in the Minotaur? Um, the king who um, sent the Sen- sun away uh-huh. across the river. Uh-huh. What was the song about? It was a lament. <laughs> I don't remember the lyrics. <laughs> But like it was like it was a very emotional lament, and I had to sort of like look out. Oh, and so then, we're giving interpretive dance. There, oh, there was movement. <laughs> <laughs> there was movement in like quite affecting. Like I do remember the outfit, of course. <laughs> it was like a navy blue, uh, sort of like tunic situation. Because uh-huh. obviously, my mother was like, "You've got to wear like royal blue because uh-huh. you're playing a king." Yeah. Um, and a gold sequin trim around the edges of the thing, <laughs> which, fabulous. Now I think about it, I should have got my mum to sew my runways for Drag Race. Because oh. <laughs> that, that was way better than anything I wore on the show. Um, no, but like, 
but that now I look back like what was the subtext kid who's not here and didn't actually do the that one the skippy dancey singing one from the playground could just do the the song in the uh, show uh-huh. work about never... about the ball and the the sad son and the... yeah it was wow. actually like a real misstep on the part of the teaching staff <laughs> how did it go I don't remember it. Uh-huh. I remember the year before we did a musical that was all about people going into space and then catch up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this happened. It was called Blast Off. I remember that one. Um, and catch up saved the day and we had to sing a song called... The s- bras Off? Uh, no, Blast Off. Oh. It wasn't that scene. <laughs> and the day was saved by Ketchup and we sang a song called The Source Will Be With Us Always. It was... I remember that one, but not my King Aegeus Lament. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, well, okay. So you were getting some signs that maybe you were a little different. <laughs> All yeah, that slightly. to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how were you internalizing that? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Thank I you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's what I do here. <laughs> on this. Um, do you know what? I don't really know because I just sort of had a very like all right sort of attitude and like I was quite a fair person in that respect because I was like okay it makes sense that I'd sing this song because you're not going to give it to Gary can't sing a note uh-huh. so I was like it makes sense and then like the year after we did another musical and I was like oh I want I want that part because it's the biggest singing role um it was the Mad Hatter um but then my friend Gregory wanted to do it. So I went into the audition and I said, no, no, I'll be going for the March Hare. So I was like, very, I was like, Gregory wants to do that part, so I'll let him. Why do I remember all of this? Like, this is two decades ago. Um, yeah, so I did that. And, and Gregory like, was always flat on that second song, third verse. On, honestly, <laughs> gave absolutely nothing. Um, in True Story, in the end, it became like me as the March Hare, the Mad Hatter, and like I think someone playing a Dormouse had to end up singing the song together because Gregory did not give, so <laughs> I had to fill in. But like I don't think I really like I don't think I really did anything with the feelings and the information. I think I was just very like, okay, all that's, right then, that's fine. That's kind of fabulous. That shows um, a strength of self. I think that I don't know. As soon as I started to realize I was different, I definitely retreated into myself, mm. and I was like. I think people go either one one of two ways. They either go, boom, I don't care. Look at me. You can't touch me. And like, I'm going to just be larger than life. And like, or maybe I'll make myself into a joke so that it doesn't touch me. Or you go the other way and you're like, I'm going to hide. And like, hopefully no one will notice me. Um, I definitely did that. It sounds like you've kind of found a bit of a middle ground. Yeah, kind of. But I think I was like, generally as a child, quite like willing to go, okay, that's fine. But I, I just continued doing what I wanted to do. Like, yeah. my, like, obsession with br- Big Brother continued, like, through into high school. And I remember, like, one of the first things I did in my first year was, like, go around asking everyone who they thought was going to win. And then I kept a tally chart. Because I thought, if I get enough of a cross-section... <laughs> bury that. <laughs> bury that. Um, if I got enough of a cross-section of people, I'd know who would win before they announced the winner. So I was like playing it smart for the maths. But I, I wasn't bothered that I was going up to like 18-year-olds age like 11 or whatever, <laughs> being like, who do you think is going to win? Like, serious <laughs> question. <laughs> like, tell me. I love you. 
<laughs> it's a very silly human. <laughs> it's time for the lunchtime quiz. Very that. Yeah, very, very that. that. Um, okay, w- I want to talk a little bit more about you moving up and like that that feeling. And again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but for me, I think that really changed the trajectory of my life in a way that my parents could never have anticipated, where I went from being confident and popular to being, because I was a little, like, towards the upper edge of my class in terms of age, to, like, knowing no one, being really isolated, and being, like, forever quite kind of the... Uh, what's the word? The immature one. Okay. And And that made me, I think, like... I think I struggled with that and figured out trying to figure out where my place was as a result. I don't know. Did you experience anything like that as a result? You you mentioned it a little bit. I just wanted to pick that up. Yeah, I think I think the main thing that I experienced later in life was that I must have just missed a very key year of maths because I've right. never never been good at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really know because like I obviously like there are established relationships when you get put into like a different year group. Mm. And I just, like, didn't really gel with, like, anyone other than, like, like a few people who were sort of, like, a bit outcast already in that year group. So, like, it was mostly, like, the girls that I was spending time with because... Gay. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I didn't want to talk about, like, cricket. So, no. Um, So, it's mostly the girls. And I was, like, friends with, like... I got. I was very friendly with like one girl who was like bizarrely for a nine year old like extremely Christian, and like really brought that up a lot, um, like too much for someone of that age, an abnormal amount. And then um, one girl who still believed in Father Christmas <laughs> at that time and got like really really upset when like um, I won't name names. Roger Hickford like told her the fact they don't deserve my <laughs> my censorship. <laughs> They didn't need to say tell. their name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roger told Una that Father Christmas wasn't real, and she was very upset. <laughs> and I found it very upsetting that she reacted like that. And then a bee <laughs> fell into her summer dress once. Not relevant to what made Sorry, me. Sorry, what? No, so this is like absolutely not relevant. I did say I just won't talk about the subject matter and it'll That's be a problem. Fine. But like, fine. This you is know how better. you get those like fluorescent strip lighting? Oh, yeah. And like sometimes like bees and flies and wasps and stuff get stuck in there. Sure. I think a, a wasp got like trapped in it and somehow made its way out, but it must have been like scorched from the heat and like fell down Una's summer dress and she like freaked out and ran out of the classroom. And to this day, <laughs> I'm like deathly afraid of bees and wasps. <laughs> Wait, what does that have to do with her believing in Father Christmas? It does not. <laughs> oh, right. It does not. I thought I'd missed um, a seg, a segue uh, there. Santa didn't save her from that trauma. Oh, That's Santa. why. Yeah. That famously, that is what he's supposed to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just into Where the... was Santa on that hot summer day? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere. Nowhere to be seen. Oh, bless. <laughs> I hope she's well now. <laughs> She was a very, very kind person. She had Santa. Your other friend had Christianity. You had Big Brother. Yeah. Oh, my God. Actually. <laughs> you each had your own altars. Now you put it like that. Yeah, kind of. Very that. Great. Okay. I think we're going to move on to your next item. Yeah. Well, it seems like as good a time as any. <laughs> did, did that wasp make me queer? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're moving on to your next item, Tia. I'm, I'm so um, sorry. It's your film or TV series, and um, you've given 
John Paul and Craig Dean. Is it Craig Dean? Yeah, it's Craig Dean. From Hollyoaks. I take every opportunity to talk about John Paul and Craig. Yes. <laughs> well, talk some more. I'm ready. Because, again, I've never seen a single episode of Hollyoaks. So it's, it's time for me to understand. It was like... It, was taking place at a very formative time. So, like, for anyone who remembers the John Paul and Craig storyline, is um, anyone here? Yeah, we've got we've got one. Yeah, okay, you're in safe. You're in you're in good company. Okay, great. And for anyone who's heard me talk about this before, thank you. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> that they were sort of uh, John Paul was sort of gay. Eventually, sort of came out mm-hmm. having had relationships prior to that, but came out as gay on the show and had like a very close relationship with his best friend Craig who had a girlfriend at the time and then like they realized that their friendship was blossoming into sort of uh, much something much more romantic and there were a few kisses and things and lots more it was very salacious um but Craig couldn't sort of deal with that yeah very that mm. a little a little handy j as we uh-huh. call them in the biz uh-huh. um <laughs> but like Craig couldn't come to terms with it, found it very difficult. So they uh, parted ways from their friendship for a little while. But then Craig like realised, and it became like very passionate. Um, I think at one point it descended into a Hollyoaks later storyline. I need to tell you about Hollyoaks later as well. Okay, that was pretty hot. Um, but like that storyline was like really important to me at the time because it very much reflected like my feelings towards my straight best friend who I won't name Johnny. Um, <laughs> um, at the time, Johnny who does follow me on Instagram and apparently has seen me talk about this storyline before. <laughs> so, Johnny, I'm bringing it up again. <laughs> Hope your wife and children are well. Um, <laughs> no, I, I genuinely do. <laughs> I do. Um, but we had like some like kisses and cuddles. But I think my feelings towards uh, him were different to his mm-hmm. feelings towards me. Mm-hmm. So that was quite difficult. I feel like a lot of us have been there in that situation of having sort of a crush on a friend who doesn't necessarily sort of like reciprocate that. So it was like almost quite relieving to see that play out on screen as well and like the the coinciding of the timing i mean it didn't help that all our friends referred to us as john paul and craig that was actually wow very traumatic they were children they didn't know better how old are you here i say children we were like 15 so (laughs) actually they probably should have known better um it was a different time back then but like it was quite difficult because everyone was sort of like making the jokes and like we'd like we'd have a little kiss at a house party and other stuff and like you know have like little cuddles like while we were at school um and things like slightly but not too much because also his mum was deputy headmistress of the school which was like a, a new layer of me being like don't talk about this please everyone so that was like really difficult but also like kind of hot mm. Mm, i see that yeah yeah a dash of shame to really spice things up. <laughs> yeah, my favorite flavor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the Hollyoaks is like, was it kind of like the 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 soap for teens? Yeah, it's like I guess it's like a a, a teen version of EastEnders. So uh-huh. like a lot of them are like in high school at the time, or sort of like I think they had like uni students and things. But then you get all of the families and the pub and like all of that kind of stuff as well so like it was very much like the thing like everyone at my school watched it at that time i think most people did at that time to be honest Mm -hmm. um 
But it was interesting that they sort of like would tackle a storyline like that because like for once it wasn't sort of gay shame because John Paul sort of came out and was like, hey, gay. And everyone was like, work. Um, But it was Craig sort of like struggling with like their own internalized feelings because no one else was like really putting that on the situation from my recollection. I could be Mm. wrong, but no one was really putting that on the situation. It was like Craig not being able to to deal deal. with that. Mm. And that was quite interesting to me because like I wasn't sort of like, I hadn't like labeled myself at school, but I would fully snog like boys and girls at like house parties and stuff. Because like my friendship group were quite thankfully very unbothered by that kind of thing, um, so That's I was very amazing. fortunate. Yeah, no, super lucky. Like now I look back, we were like very sort of like diverse in sort of heritage, and then eventually, I think all five of my like male best friends at school are now gay. So like that makes sense. You find your tribe. Um, yeah. That's actually really weird because, again, why why are you doing this to me? Like, bring all these, like, <laughs> thoughts out of the situation. But, like, I think, like, one by one, the majority of us sort of, like, came out. And that's, like, interesting that we didn't sort of necessarily know that at the time. It happened exactly with my group, too, the six of us. And I think five of us identify as some variation of queer now. It's just... We find each other. Yeah, it happens. But drama club, mostly. Was, so was Johnny your... Yeah. <laughs> Choir. <laughs> yeah, very that. Was Johnny your first kiss? Uh, no. Who was my first kiss? I think it was Tanisha Clark Melville. <laughs> Say their name. <laughs> so I don't know what Tanisha's doing with her life now. Um, no, I like kiss girls. I think, was Johnny... No, I think Adam was the first boy that I kissed. Wow. I saw Adam at Mighty Hoopla this year. Okay. Yeah, it was weird. Go, Adam. Yeah, I hadn't seen them for ages. Then we went to the brewers afterwards, and then they just went off and snogged someone. And I was like, oh, I thought we were, like, rekindling our friendship. How dare. <laughs> um, but I had a great time. It was fine. Um, like, is this, I just deviate on tangents. I'm sorry, sorry. I don't stay within the lines. I love that also it's been, what, 30 minutes, and you've mentioned the two brewers twice. Um, you can I, take a girl out of Glapham. <laughs> I still live, like, 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> So, yeah, I was actually really Larry at the two brewers like two weeks ago and like really upset everyone because I got really drunk and then shouted at everyone. Then I had to apologize like quite a lot. So, like, <laughs> this is the apology. Yeah, I Promotion. know. It was, it was like really bad. And Pixie Polite <laughs> fell down the stairs. It was like a whole thing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met her. Well, it would take her a while to get here because she's currently on crutches. So, there's oh, <laughs> well, hobbling vaguely. Right. Um, yeah. Be good for the premiere. And that's what made me queer. <laughs> <laughs> Quit what? <laughs> Men. Yes, very sure. well. Drinking. Okay, back to Johnny then and back to like your feelings. I mean, I think that's a fabulous, <laughs> a, a fabulous story that you were just, you were calling yourself bi at that time. Is that, what, is that what you said? No, just like nothing. Oh, you, weren't, you weren't labeling. Yeah, no one really asked and no one really cared. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, did you feel like you had the space to just try things on and see what fit? Yeah, I think so, because I was like, um, what's the word? Obnoxious. So, like, (laughs) I kind of didn't, like, really care. Like, in my first two years of school, I was, like, really good friends with, like, the sporty people. Did we have a rap collective? Yes. 
Um, did I sing Lisa Mafia's bit of 21 Seconds? Also, yes. What were you called? Uh, I think we were, we were called the, th the Third Form Ghetto, which <laughs> is problematic. Uh, now I look back on it. We learn. Yeah, we live and we learn. I was 10, so sorry. But like, yeah, we had that time. And then I realized that I didn't want to be friends with them because I kind of like fell out with them and like they were not my energy. And I started going to drama club, in drama club instead of like rugby. Why uh -huh. was I ever doing that? Um, not for me. So I had like my new friends. And then by the time we got into sort of sixth form, I cracked the code. And I was like, hold on, we don't have to defer to the sporty people to let them be popular because like everyone else is the majority. So I was like, hey, people who spend all their time in the library, come sit with us. And then like, hey, you over there painting Warhammer, come sit with us. And then that at that me. point, <laughs> yeah, very that. that was me. But like I fully, fully like conquered the popular group to the point that like by the time we were in sixth form, they were the ones being like, oh, can we come to Kelsey's? Because we've heard your parties like are really good. And we were like, we'll think about it. Like it was very that. And then I, I don't know what happened between that and me walking into the workroom and letting everyone walk all over me. I have no idea. But like at the time, confidence. You've just given me the plot of like a full teen movie that, you know, I want to see the, the freaks and the nerds and the drama kids like owning the school. Very that. Can we get um, World of Wonder? Do we have budget for a feature length film? Thank you. I'm just hearing in my ear. No. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, this is like a really new, I feel, story for queerness. I feel like I'm waiting for the trauma to hit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I... And that's a really, like, that says a lot about me, I guess. But it sounds like you're just doing well. Yeah, to a point. I think, like, my university experience was, like, completely different. And that's when I started to realize that the world was against me. Because, um, like, up until that point, I was like, cool. I, like, I don't need to, like, label myself. Like, my race doesn't really come into play during my high school experience mm. because it was so much more diverse like my sexuality doesn't come into play at all like sort of there's no experience of like sexism towards like anyone my high school experience kind of i think because my social group conquered everyone else was like pretty fine for the most part but i think university is when i was like oh no right yeah okay well maybe let's get on to your next item and we can plumb those depths maybe <laughs> and i won't deviate from this oh no no matter. please do please do so your next item is your music and um you've given scissor sisters which i don't know if this is maybe around that time but if it's not let's pretend it is and let's talk about the scissor sisters and university i think it probably was actually perfect i think like, like scissor sisters. yeah <laughs> you did you yeah this is org organization i like it yeah, no, I think that was sort of like the thing, the music that probably took me out of university, uh, out of high school and into university was probably like the Scissor Sisters first album, I mm. guess. Comfortably Numb, that cover, iconic. Like all of the songs on that, I think sort of gave me like, like a contemporary group who were sort of doing fun things. Because like up until that point, I'd sort of like very much still listen to like the Spice Girls and S Club mm -hmm. 7 because gay. And then like this was like more of a contemporary group who were doing like fun music that was sort of like boppy and different and their energy was obviously like very visually 
queer mm-hmm. and then the sound was very queer as well. So I think that was something that I could like really identify with. Hmm. Speaking of identity, had you started to figure out what your identity was? Actually, how do you identify now? Uh, gay. Gay. Yeah. yeah. I thought so. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, probably like the majority of that is for ease. But yeah, I would identify as, as gay. University was definitely the time that I started to sort of like more comfortably label myself as that. Mm-hmm. Cause like I was still snogging girls because fun um, and stuff like that. But I was like very uneasy about it. Sort of like stepping out of school where it was like very chill and then going to university, I was like very uneasy mm. about it. And I remember we had, um, there was this thing where we had like rep for each of our hall and at Nottingham we have like a lot of halls and every year there was a competition um, to see who could raise the most money for charity and I was like I will do that because that sounds like a good thing to do for humanity so I was like a rep for my hall obviously the way we raised money was like pouring alcohol into a bin and handing out cups and selling tickets for it like it was absolute gutter trash garbage but like <laughs> it still made money for charity so like good um <laughs> And, like, that was the first time I experienced, like, very, like, pointed, aggressive abuse. Because we, it was, like, very consistent that the same sort of halls always won. There were, like, 20 of them. I'm giving you so much detail that is unnecessary. Um, We're all fascinated. (laughs) The the same halls, like, won every year. And it had been going for, like, decades at that point. And, like, me being me, as you've heard from my school story, went, no, I don't care if we're self-catered and off-campus and have to cook our own food. That doesn't mean we can't raise money for charity. What a ludicrous assertion. So I was, like, fighting aggressively Mm -hmm. to get our way into that top three. So, like, the year before my year, my haul had come 22nd, and then my year we came third. Work. Thank you. We raised £80,000 for charity in a year. 80000 Thank you. And this year I've raised no money for charity. Um, (laughs) But like we did. But like during that time, like the way that people took offense to me, sort of like at the time I had like the worst like bleach dyed orange hair that I used to straighten with hair straighteners because I was still in an emo phase. Um, And like this hall used to call me Scarecrow Rep uh, because I had like Scarecrow hair. And then they like made up like extremely offensive because two of the people on my team were gay and like none of the other reps for any of the other like 23, 24 halls identified that way. So it was just us. Um, They made up extremely offensive chants about us because we used to have to share like double-decker buses and stuff. So we'd hear like people like banging on the ceiling of the bus saying things that I genuinely don't feel comfortable enough to repeat because they are like that level of offensive. Mm. Um, and then it culminated at one point that the physiotherapy reps, I wish I could remember Luke's surname so that everyone <laughs> who ever met him realized that he's a horrible person. Um, they literally made a full straw effigy of me and burnt it on a bonfire, filmed it and sent it around to everyone. Oh. And that was like, you were like, I'm waiting for the trauma. And I'm like, here it is. Um <laughs> That was like the first moment that I was like, oh, okay, actually like standing out and being myself is probably like a really bad idea because like this seems like quite aggressive. Didn't do anything about it at the time. Wow. And then the year after I ran for activities officer. 
What does that mean? Oh, it's like a student's union thing. Right. I did a cover of Kesha's TikTok. <laughs> he said, let me blend in. Yeah. Played <laughs> 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 into the background. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> um, wow, that's a crazy story. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not great, is it? No. You, you didn't do anything about it? No, I didn't really know what to do mm. other than like continue to like live my life and like obviously like having like taken this team from like raising like three thousand pounds to like eighty thousand and like moving up this table like i decided it would be a good idea to try and like run for a position to like organize everything and didn't get that so i like applied for another position in it and didn't get that and it like never made sense to me why i was getting pushed back as like someone who was extremely dedicated and skilled mm. and then for some reason like they were giving all the roles to heterosexual white men and I, I just couldn't understand it at the time <laughs> but now i do so that was like really difficult and upon reflection i wish i dealt with it very differently um because it should not have been a signal for me to try and like hide my light under a bushel it should have been a signal for me to take those bitches down and let everyone know how like offensive and like hate crimey and like borderline illegal if not literally illegal like most of the things that they were doing and saying were yeah how do you think it did impact you do you think it did you dim yourself yeah almost certainly i think after that point i was like probably more intimidated by bigger personalities probably less likely to sort of like speak my mind Mm. and things like that like in this kind of scenario because you're a lovely human person that i like appreciate talking to (laughs) allegedly (laughs) i like feel very comfortable sort of like having these conversations like if it was a a sort of like different person i think i might feel very uncomfortable and on edge so like it has sort of like tuned my brain into being sort of like wary of certain situations and circumstances which is why it was a really questionable idea for me to go on a show with like cameras and things, you know. Well, that's it's like that's the way trauma works. I think is like you you're scared of the thing, and so therefore you're drawn to it at the same time. And I don't know. For me, it's like the rejection I experienced in high school is like made me constantly, constantly looking for acceptance, and you know, to undo that in a in looking for it in all the wrong places of course like reality tv but it's like it's pathological yeah i don't know i don't know if that rings true for you but it definitely is is the way it works for me no it does and now una makes sense because we're drawn to that like that wasp was drawn (laughs) to the fluorescent light where they got trapped but then they escaped and they stung Una. She didn't deserve it. But like, but it's the same sort of energy of being Where like drawn that, to that uh... thing that will hurt you. Yeah, yeah. It's a metaphor. Do you think that's the first? <laughs> it's a great metaphor. It really works. <laughs> um, do you think that was the first time in your life that you experience the world telling you, "Tone it down. Stop it. This is too much. Yourself isn't right." No, kind of not, because like I like I can look back at school being like an adult and sort of like understand like I'd get put in detention all the time. And I'm like 
but I got an A in Latin and I'm in the choir. Like, what did I do wrong? Uh-huh. And like, I can look back and like understand the various reasons why people might have thought that me expressing an opinion was aggressive or thought that me sort of uh, challenging incorrect decisions was sassy. But like, that didn't register at the time. So I guess that was the first time in my life I sort of registered being different as There's like... There's also a difference between being like, you know, you're not actually... You're being a bit too gobby in class to like, I'm going to burn a fucking effigy of you. Like, those are hugely different social reactions. You are right. <laughs> they are different. <laughs> very different extremes. Yeah, it's weird though, because I didn't do anything about that at the time. And they like continued like even me i mentioned that i like ran for activities officer afterwards and we like everyone who was running had these big banners around this um nightclub called ocean in nottingham and the same people like took mine down ripped it into pieces filmed themselves flushing half of it down the toilet and then like filmed themselves burning the other half these people who are now professional physiotherapists like one of them literally works for like a football team i didn't register which football team because i don't care about his existence or football um but like these people like have sort of gone on to have like important roles in things but they behaved like that not even while they were kids do you know what i mean like that's a 20 year old human yeah wow that's grim it is a bit but i knew their full names I should remember Jack Chew and Luke something. Um, <laughs> I'm so totally unbothered. I actually sat opposite Luke on the tube once and I fully sat like this waiting for him to look up because I was going to be like, you're a bad person. And then got off, didn't look up once. And I was like, do you know what? That's satisfying enough because you know what you did. You saw me get on and you could not uh-huh. make eye contact with me. So like, I'll take the satisfaction of being like, you can't even look me in the eye. He knows what he did. Mm-hmm. Whew. What was that time like for you in terms of self-acceptance then? So, you know, you're you're experiencing some negative messaging from the outside world, but you're also presumably understanding yourself a little bit better every day. I don't know. How do those things meet? Yeah, I think I think it's probably another example of me sort of like finding the group of friends who don't necessarily merge with everyone else. Because we, at the time that I went to uni, we had like gendered flat that we got put in so I was like all the boys got put on the ground floor sounds like hell yeah it's weird and it's like it's not just like gendered like they put all the girls had to be on the floors above and the boys were on the ground floor in case someone broke in I could fight them like (laughs) the girls couldn't handle themselves but I could Um, so we had like gendered flats so I just girls love stairs yeah (laughs) I've heard that Um, but like I just spent no time with my like flatmates and, like, found, like, the group of girls above, uh, one called Anna, who had come from Germany, and, like, a group of other, like, there was uh, a gay guy called James who was in another flat. We all sort of just, like, found each other around, like, our massive halls of residence. And I kind of did not have the option, because I went into my flat sort of thinking, do you know what, I'm just going to blend in, I'm going to be friends with these people, I'll make it work, I'll share their interests. And then, like, the first day that I was there, within the first two hours, we were, like, in the kitchen, all sharing a cider, because I famously love cider. Um, and my phone rang, but my my ringtone was All For One from High School Musical 2. <laughs> so it, I felt like that gave the game away. And then and then I put up my Saka from poster in my room, and I was like, ah, you've already, you already know, it's fine. <laughs> 
Okay. So you 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 were figuring yourself out. Yeah. I mean, kind of, but also like yeah, I felt like I was kind of like there but like fearful of other people's reactions. Mm-hmm. Like I was there for me and like within my friends, they were all like, yeah, fine, whatever. But it was all the external signals that I was getting from people who were training to be physiotherapists burning effigies of me. <laughs> Isn't that a bizarre sentence? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it exists. I'm sure there are good physiotherapists out there, I believe. Yeah, I'm still looking for one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got um, the name of one. They're called Jack Chew. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Dave Holmes. And I'm Matt McConkey. And we are the hosts of Homophilia, the podcast where we talk to awesome LGBTQ plus people about the pop culture that they are consuming and loving and the love lives that they are leading. The conversations that we wish we had had access to when we were growing up. The, the conversations that we would like to eavesdrop on now. But we have them with the coolest people in the world. Like who, Matt? Sir Andy Cohen himself. What? Michael Patrick King, Tig Notaro, Alan Cumming, Jinx, Monsoon, and Vendela Creme. Countless queens from the Drag Race universe. We're asking all of them about the pop culture milestones that shaped them as queer people and, more importantly, who they're having sex with. There you go. It's the queer conversation they don't want you to have. We're having it on Homophilia every week on the World of Wonder Network. Tune in. Listen to Homophilia on the WOW Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? And so much more. Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I think actually that moves us on well to your next item, though, which is your place. And it is Q Bar in London. I don't know if this... Oh, wait. Is this, is this before or after? Probably the first time I went to Q Bar was before. Okay, well, we're going to talk about it anyway. Let's talk about the gay nightlife of it all. Oh, let's do it. Um, that Cuba was the first sort of like LGBTQ plus venue that I ever went to. Um, and you can't catch me now. I was 17. Um, <laughs> and I, too late, I already went. And I went in with a photocopy of my passport where I'd cunningly changed the age in paint, showing my age, MS paint, and then, and then printed it on a laser inkjet printer. And they let me in. That's amazing. And it was great. I remember the first time I went went there, it was like me and a couple of my friends. And then there was a guy. Called, why do I remember this? Because I was 17 and I'm not 17 now. <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, but there was uh, someone there that we made friends with called Scott, who was a human adult male. Um, and then Scott was with their friend who was called Zoe Jeans. Shout out to Zoe Jeans. And th- there is there is no reason for this story other than I met someone called Zoe Jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, really satisfying for a first sort of experience of a queer venue. <laughs> jeans, like, denim. Yeah, I think mm. so. I may still be How wearing her jeans? I, well, I think, I think she was actually wearing jeans. That might be why I found it so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but it really stuck with me. I mean, if, judging by the MS paint and mm. the photocopier and the inkjet printer, I'm feeling like she was probably in a distressed boot cut. 
I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. With uh, I think maybe with a maybe with a cowboy boot on. Uh, sure. Yeah, I feel yeah. that low rise. Yes. Maybe the waistband cut off. Yeah. Love oh Zoe jeans in my head. <laughs> no, no, I've you're, just painting, you're painting quite an accurate <laughs> picture of Zoe jeans. Zoe jeans, where are you now? I'd love to know. Um, but I had quite a good experience, sort of like, because I was from Essex, we had a tube station, so it was very easy for me and my friends to sort of come in and experience London nightlife. And I remember my friend Priz, his first job was working behind the bar at Freedom. I and worked at the bar behind Freedom. Did you? Yes. No way. Wait, the bar behind Freedom? Or no, working behind the bar at oh, Freedom. Yeah, yeah, I said it wrong. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I also worked at Freedom. That was like, but it was just like fascinating. When did you work at Freedom? Oh, who knows? It was a very drunk two months. Like, wow, what a time, what a place, what a questionable bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh, my ex boyfriend's literally going there now, and it's. Uh, that's why it's questionable for me right now to be honest oh, wow. I won't be popping in thank you um, but Priz used to work behind the bar there and it was like they made like cocktails and like uh -huh. to me at that time I was like freedom is fabulous they've got white uh, leather sofas yeah they serve cocktails called mojitos <laughs> what's that <laughs> like it was very that like Priz had to like make made us a cocktail and like had to like squish stuff with a pestle mm -hmm. and mortar and I was like mm -hmm. fascinating still 17 to be fair um don't tell freedom oops but yeah like that was my first experience like I don't know when the first time that I saw drag was I'd have to like like live in front of my very eyes but I it wasn't at freedom because I don't think they did drag there no. and now downstairs is like a brunch every week it's great yeah they used to play um Wham's freedom at the end of every night. Yeah. Creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want you. But I would sing, I don't want to work at freedom, <laughs> which I think sums up how I felt about that job. <laughs> Have you popped in since? Uh, once or twice. Once or twice. My main memory of that place is watching a girl get fingered against the bar while I was serving her a drink. <laughs> and that girl was Zoe Jeans. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. It's formative experience. Why were we talking about freedom? Oh, we were talking about Q bar. I, I guess I'm trying to get to a point now where I want to understand when you were like, you know what? I'm gay. Uh, that's a really in interesting question because I think it was like a word that sort of just filtered in that I think I started using for everyone else's ease. Because, like, I don't think I really needed to say that to myself uh, uh -huh. and to my friends because it just sort of, you know, like, as I said at school, it didn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. none of it was sort of, like, overly concerning. But I think it's something that it's it's just something that I started to say to identify for other people's ease, probably. Mm. Like, I, 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 to this day, probably don't know if that's, like, entirely true about me necessarily. But, like, it's the quickest shorthand for everyone to understand what's going on. Right. Do you think you wouldn't use it if you didn't have to? Do you still feel kind of not bothered? I I I I feel like quite unbothered by that word kind of, but like I think for me the umbrella term queer is more important to me because it feels more like an entire community of like-minded people. Am I unbothered by it? I don't know. It's a whole moving spectrum and like a whole journey. I mm. think my mindset maybe shifts quite on a day-to-day -day basis maybe 
like I definitely think the one thing that I definitely realized was that like my romantic interests what would be traditionally defined as gay um, as, as we can see here it's scally white men yeah i mean thank <laughs> you craig dean for your service <laughs> <laughs> but like <laughs> i don't know i think because like I, I find it difficult to rationalize for me and maybe it's a wider conversation that people have had that i don't necessarily understand but i think in terms of like the way that vocabulary is moving and the way that people's identities are moving in terms of like gender identity and things like that it almost to me feels like a bit lazy to just say like I am a gay man because like I, I don't know traditionally to people that means like man likes man mm-hmm. and all of that kind of thing but like that isn't sort of like limited in my mind in terms of like people's traditional views of what that word means I'm not sure if these sentences made any sense I think so you're saying you you don't find the term gay man to be limiting even though you could imagine a world where it does sound a bit limited. Yeah, I think other people sort of like impose like limits on like what that means because they have limited understanding uh-huh. of things. Uh-huh. Like the kind of people who like hear about like a non-binary person and it blows their mind. Like that kind of person is very limited on what their viewpoint is of that and would be the kind of person to ask a question that's like, but this like non-binary. So if you're not he or she, how can you be gay, man? Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of thing like I love gay stuff yeah bury that but like I think it's other people kind of probably outside of the queer community find that language accessible to them because it's been around for a while but then like the new language they can't I'm doing air quotes for the benefit of the tape <laughs> I'm doing air quotes um find that lang- the new language air quotes like inaccessible difficult still air quotes like for them to understand and Uh comprehend Uh so i think that those are my difficulties with languages like is it my responsibility to make the language that i use easier for other people to understand who i am or is it my responsibility to use the language that i want to use for myself and i would prefer the answer to be the second and i think it's most important for people to focus on that second thing but also like sometimes in some situations it's it's just shorthand is easier to be like sorry sorry tory this is easier for you to understand so i'll say this because i can't be bothered to get into it with my name you. is crystal oh, <laughs> sorry um. sorry for the benefit <laughs> of the tape i was referring to conservatives oh uh, fine well i would say that like judging by your story that we've heard so far the second also is the way you've mostly lived your life as well which i think is a nice thing to remember and maybe yeah. you don't need to you worry about that shorthand too much. I also love the term queer because of its limitless potential, I guess. It's mm. got it's got so much room to like continue to grow and explore. And even if I stay a man who loves men the rest of my life, like I haven't narrowed myself down to that and I haven't closed myself off to other possibilities, which I think is very important as mm. to the human experience. So yeah, don't you don't you limit yourself for other people's understanding? It's pointless. Look at you; you're unknowable. Agree. <laughs> Ambiguous human. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going on to your last item. Um, we've only got a little bit of time left. Oh uh, no, we'll be fine. We'll it's your going. person, and it is, of course. Can we do it together, Alan Turing? Alan Turing. <laughs> 
we're, yeah. we're typing. Yeah, that <laughs> for everyone who can't see. Talk to me about Alan Turing. Um, Alan Turing is an icon. Uh-huh. I dressed as right, just right. I'm second setting the record straight. World of Wonder, are you listening? I'm setting the record straight. <laughs> so the brief was on the first episode of Drag Race UK series two. The brief was, do a look based on your favorite queer icon. Mama, it did not say cosplay. At what point did it say <laughs> dress as? No, it didn't. Everyone else did it wrong. I did it right. Um, so I did a look that was based on Alan Turing because to me, the brief was an LGBTQ plus icon. Uh-huh. So it was important for me, unlike other people, to choose someone who was LGBTQ plus for a start <laughs> rather than just someone who like, Yes, Gay slay thing. mama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, work the runway, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Taste of the Steed there, wasn't I? Yeah, all good. <laughs> I think um, so. But, like, it was important for me to do someone who was, like, legitimately a queer icon. And I chose Alan Turing because, like, real talk, I literally, on my list, I looked back at my notes, and I did have Naomi Campbell, and I also had Vivian Westwood, which is, like, hilarious when you think about how much of a not-fashion queen <laughs> I was on that show. But, like, um, yeah. I chose Alan Turing because it was like authentic to me and it was important for me to highlight someone who had that sort of like level of intellect and like desire for knowledge and genuinely did absolutely incredible things that have fully changed the world. Mm -hmm. Because like other people did their queer icons and to some people fashion changes the world. To me, it's a person walking in a straight line successfully. Like, <laughs> to some people, music changes the world, and I can understand that, like, a lot more because it can be a very personal thing. But I chose someone who literally, like, basically invented computers and, like, defeated Nazis, which <laughs> is kind of insane. Like, mm. as, like, one person achieving that much with their life is, like, incredible. Hold for applause for Alan Turing. <laughs> that was a stage direction. I wasn't meant to say that. <laughs> I love that. And I actually don't think we need to dwell on it a lot more than that. But it's just so nice that you took that opportunity to highlight someone who actually has really contributed something very meaningful. And not just in the LGBTQ plus space, but also just to defeating Nazis. Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, and just also, like, for the sake of the fact that the way that Alan was treated for his sexuality mm-hmm. after the fact by the yep. British government was absolutely disgraceful after everything that he'd achieved for the country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's, like, like that, such an incredible life and so many incredible achievements. And to have that be sort of the way that the favour is repaid almost is like absolutely wild i'm trying really hard not to say controversial things but i'm not going to say controversial things i'll say them afterwards when the white friends down but like that that sort of like treatment of alan turing is is absolutely disgraceful and it's excellent that that's alan's i'm doing air quotes again crimes have been pardoned Mm -hmm. um retroactively but it's, yeah, just, like, such an incredible person. And then, like, two other people dressed as someone who wore clothes and threw a phone at someone. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, that was wild. <laughs> Don't need to bring down Naomi to bring up Alan. <laughs> oh, I do, because she would she would have had that mobile phone to throw if Alan Turing <laughs> hadn't invented it. Oh! 
true. <laughs> That's me told. <laughs> I think we should leave it there with the things that made you queer. But before we go, and I think we've got about five minutes left, I want to play a quick game of, but is it queer? But is it queer? That sounds fun. Yeah. Have, uh, do you, are you all in the audience familiar with the game, but is it queer? We're going to give each other uh, random items, you know, think like the the back catalog of Hilary Duff or potted plants, and we'll decide once and for all if those things are queer or not. But instead of us giving them to each other, I thought maybe we could get a couple suggestions from the audience. Has anyone got anything they're wondering about? Anything that they've they've been dying to know is it queer or not you could you could say riding the tube you could talk about um a briefcase it could be this pitcher of water you know i'm looking for anything anyone got anything if you've got something put your hand up i believe in you also it's going to just get really awkward if no one says anything i just so. the first thing i'm identifying as queer is this gorgeous glittery eyelid that we've got here i've been paying attention to it the whole time stunning um, stunning well we glitter sparkles bejewels dazzles Queer. Queer. Mm. 100%. Has anyone got one for us? Please. Holding your uh, glass with your pinky. Uh, holding your glass with your pinky out. So She says with the microphone. In the, have I been doing this all night or have I just done it subconsciously? <laughs> as, as an etiquette rule, you are not supposed to hold a uh, cup with your pinky out because historically it was your way of indicating that you had syphilis. So queer. So very queer, yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> what you're saying is all of that. Yeah, syphilis, queer, pinkies, queer. Um, <laughs> and I'm doing it, so it's queer. Queer. <laughs> ding, ding. That's <laughs> sound effects. Um, yeah. Is it like for balance? Why am I doing that? No, it literally, it, like historically it was, that's, that's why. You must be doing it because like... I have syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Why would you... This is quite uncomfortable. I, I mean, ever since that sex party, I haven't actually been able to get that finger down. So, oh no, <laughs> it's a lot. Where, where'd you <laughs> it put it? That's yeah, maybe that, unfortunate. Maybe that explains it. Thank you, sir. I'll get myself to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone got another one for us? Oh, please. Yes. Hello. Okay, this one is specifically for Tia. Uh huh. UK garage. UK, UK garage. garage. Is it wow. queer? Or as I oh. call it, because I'm Canadian, UK Garage. UK Garage. <laughs> are you familiar with the music genre of UK of Garage? Because there are so, certain so, bits. So scandalous. Very that. Uh huh. So like, certain elements of UK Garage, queer. Do you know what I mean? Like Mystique no. giving the lyric, sitting looking in the mirror like Alice through the looking glass, queer. Mystique are like the, the outlier, I feel, but I'm obviously not an expert. I'm going to let you take this one, but... I think it's the more I think about it. Have you it, ever really been in a space where they're playing garage music? <laughs> I, <laughs> UK garage music and felt like, hmm, yes, I'm I'm amongst my people. I mean, the privacy <laughs> of my own home, yeah. Um, now I think it's about a one night stand. Very uh, <laughs> queer though. Daniel Beddingfield got to get through this. Think about it. Queer. It's queer. Queer energy mm -hmm. made it mm -hmm. made it in his bedroom. Mm -hmm. I think it might be queer. Do you think it's queer? I feel like it might be. Does So Solid Crew count as garage? So Lisa Mafia's verse of 21 seconds, queer. Okay. 
You're convincing me. I was me. like, who? Ooh, you're convincing like, me. I, I feel like, like you're. I feel like you're convincing yourself and me. I. It's difficult because, like, I feel like. I don't know, two multiplied by ten plus one, Romeo done. Doing maths as a rap, queer. Alan Turing. Queer! <laughs> a full circle moment. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, queer. Do you okay, not great. think? No, I'm, I'm, I'll take it. You're mostly just saying words I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I could, I could, yeah, no, definitely queer. Great, I love it. Okay, we've got time for one more. We'll start choosing items you're wearing if someone doesn't suggest oh, something. Just pointing a giant yeah. queer at people. <laughs> oh, have we got one? Yes, please. I want to know what's more queer, tea uh-huh. or coffee? Oh, I have what's an answer. More... Well, you can get a coffee enema, which is quite queer. <laughs> oh, I thought you said anywhere, which is oh. also quite queer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or everywhere, everywhere, which is even more queer. Uh, also bitter (gasps) me see Mm -hmm. dripping right now yeah (laughs) um Um, what else is queer about teabagging though what about teabagging can't forget teabagging very queer very very queer very queer energy. I was going to tell a really private piece of information, but then <laughs> I realized teabagging. that. Yeah, but then I realized that uh, this is being recorded. So <laughs> I won't. Um, um, but then you can get like this coffee that's like really expensive where like um, this like particular, like I think it's a monkey, like eats the beans and then poops it poops out. It out yeah. And then it's really expensive. Mm, that, but that, I'm not saying that's queer. I, was I just think that out. sounds like the peak of capitalism. Yeah. Which is anti queer. Which is so not queer. And then you think about like, you know, ooh, a loose leaf peppermint tea. Queer. Queer. Loose? Queer. Um, <laughs> Digestion? <laughs> queer. Queer. <laughs> Good night's sleep? Not queer. <laughs> <laughs> so not queer. I slept so badly last night. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have an answer? I, what is more queer, tea or coffee? I can't. S- stressed? <laughs> stressed and energetic or relaxed and digested? Which says more queer to you? Those are the, that's how I'm going to sum up those two items. Do you know what my answer is? If you take either of them with oat milk, queer. <laughs> that's why we're here, the experts. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and on that beautiful note, we're going to wrap up. Make some noise for Tia Coffee. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. The The new season of... The Things That Made Me Queer is out now, if you're listening to this. And for all of you lovely people in the audience, it will be out soon. Thank you for being here. It's been a treat uh, having this chat in front of you. And um, thank you to Tia. Yeah, a round of applause for Crystal for a fabulous... Oh, okay, I'll take that host. too. <laughs> the only Crystal from Drag Race UK that I care about. <laughs> wow! Cancel. Wait, is there another one? I didn't Cancel. know there was another one. I didn't, thank you I didn't so know. much. Uh, Tia, where can people find you and where can they support you? The internet, thank you. You're welcome. Go listen to her new single, which has been out for a couple months now. (laughs) Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Things That Made Me Queer. Now I'm going to go have a little nap and try and get Ariana DeBose out of my head. (laughs) Have an amazing day and I will see you next week. The Things That Made Me Queer is a World of Wonder production. Our theme song is Something Like Summer, provided by Caveboy.